Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy. We are continuing on with the Beatitudes today. Today we're going to talk about what is a peacemaker, because blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. Let's find out what a peacemaker is together, because you know what? You'll want to be one. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. So glad to have you here. You know, when I first started in the ministry, the thing that the Lord impressed me with, I just loved Bible school. I loved it. I loved learning. And it became such a part of my life that I never, ever quit learning. In fact, it caused some marriage problems in my wife and I's life our first 10 years. I studied so much. I mean, I neglected her. I should not have, but I did. I had to repent for it. But I just love the Word of God. I would stay up and, and study or listen to tapes, reel-to-reels or cassettes. You guys remember those. But I, I listened to those for hours at a time. I just could not get enough of the Word of God. And I treated everybody that I ministered to as if they were Bible school students. And I ministered in a Bible school. I told my congregation when I took over, of which I pastored for 33 years, I'm a treat you like Bible school students. You are going to walk out of here, you know, smarter. Well, that's why I call this student of the word. You are still a student coming into a Bible school class with me being the teacher. So I say this, you're going to leave from here at this broadcast is over smarter and you should do this every single day. But the point of this is what I'm called to do. My main ministry is to take and make disciples out of Christians. That's what we do. You know, uh, there's a verse of scripture in Acts chapter 11. We have misquoted for so long that the uh, that the believers were first called Christians at Antioch. and uh, But it's not, that's not what it says. It said the disciples were called Christians at Antioch. This Christian is not a name for a new convert. Christian is a name for a disciple. Little Jesus is little Christ. Why did they call them that? Because now they saw them in action. They saw them acting like Jesus, so they call them Christians. And so a Christian, again, stands for a mature believer. I'm not just here just to get you saved. I want to take you beyond that to where now you can get other people saved yourself. Because honestly, it takes a mature person to really lead a person to Jesus and take them into the next phase of that, and that is discipleship. So God hasn't called us just to get people saved, but to also get them discipled. This is my ministry. I love making disciples out of people. I, you know, I understand there's uh, that the angels rejoice in heaven over every sinner that repents. That's wonderful. I do too. But my greater rejoicing comes after that when I see them coming to church, coming to class, and their life begins to change. They begin to look better, dress better. Their kids act better. The family gets stronger. A better job comes along. They begin to support the ministry. I realize I saw where this person began. Look what the Word of God has done to this person, made them into a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9 is where we are. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, let me just give you an update on where we are. The very first of the Beatitudes said this, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit, the Greek word means destitute in spirit. This was a uh, unbeliever. This was a sinner. Well, why are they blessed? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now blessed is the one that mourns. Now when you mourn after being born again, you have someone that can help you. The sinner goes through the same problems we do. We go through the same trials of life, but we have somebody to comfort us. The Holy Spirit, the world does not. 
not. Blessed are the teachable. They were called meek. Blessed are the teachable after that. God's desires after you're born again and find comfort, start hungering, start going after, become teachable, and then go to the next one, which is hunger and thirst for righteousness. I hunger and thirst for a walk of righteousness, not just to be righteous in my spirit, but to display it to the world and show Jesus Christ. And from there came the next one, blessed are the merciful. Now that I've been shown mercy, I want to show mercy. Now that I have been given mercy, I want to give it away. And this is what God is talking about. We talked about sowing and reaping. And the next of all was pure in heart. And the pure in heart represent those who are walking in newness of life. Not only have it, but walk in it. This is a true disciple walking in the purity that's on the inside of you, showing it to the world. And now we come to this one, blessed are the peace makers. You say, well, what's a peacemaker? It's a person that has peace giving it away. It's the same thing as being merciful. It's the same thing as walking in righteousness and offering to the world what you have on the inside of you. You might as well write this down. A peacemaker is a witness, somebody that witnesses for Jesus. And I want you to notice it comes later in all of the Beatitudes. It wasn't one that we had at first, and it's one that we get later because the best witnesses are those who are mature. Listen, it comes back to this, and that is children don't have babies, adults have babies. And what God is saying is the more of an adult you become, the greater witness you become. What is the difference between an immature believer witnessing and a mature believer witnessing? An immature believer can get people saved, that's true, but they don't know what to do with them. They don't know how to take care of them. And that's what happens when some young girl gets pregnant and has a baby. Oh, thank God a baby's coming into this world, but she has to grow up real quick to take care of that baby. But what happens when one is more mature? An older woman, well, she has some of those built-in things that she still has to learn, but she's truly going to raise that child in the right way. So what do we have with a peacemaker here? Adults have babies for this one reason, is that when you witness to the world, you're going to run into a myriad of questions, and an immature believer does not know how to handle it and can be easily knocked off track, especially when you meet religious people. And those religious people begin to quote Buddhism and, and Mohammed, and they begin to quote you know other things, other religions, either even some cultic form of Christianity, you know, that's what causes problems. But again, a believer who's mature can understand it and can also come back with the word of God. My father never had any problem with Jehovah's Witnesses coming to the door. In fact, he would answer the door quickly. Why? He'd just love to talk to them. You know why? Because they'd start out, you know, with something from the Bible and then twist it. My dad would stop them when they twist it. He said, it doesn't say that. The first part you said was right, but this part is wrong and would just twist them into knots and then give them the gospel of Jesus Christ directly from the word of God. They thought they were quoting the word of God. They'd never even read the passage of scripture they were quoting. They just learned it from other people. But an immature believer, a young Christian, you know, might hear that and they start nodding their head, but they don't know when the twisting begins and when they're going, uh-huh, 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 and they've already gone past that, the, the twisting of it can twist their lives up. They don't have the maturity to handle it. So a peacemaker here, and I want you to notice this again, a peacemaker here has peace and now becomes an offerer of peace and making peace around him. Let's talk about some scriptures that deal with peace. First of all, Romans 5.1 tells us that the moment we became born again, this is where supernatural peace came into our life. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. The first thing God gives us at the new birth, yes, we become born again, but the first attribute God gives of himself is we have peace. In fact, Peace is the major word of the entire Bible attached to salvation. 
in Ephesians 6.15. You know what it says of a peacemaker? The peacemaker there is one who is a witness. It says our feet, that's the part that walk. Our feet are covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There it is again. That's Ephesians 6.15. You know, when the angels came and announced the birth of Jesus, what was the word they used? Well, we have, we quote it, peace on earth, goodwill to men. You know, at the Christmas season, that becomes the major thing on cards, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But you know what? That verse, if you take it as it stands, look like that Jesus being born brought peace to all men. That is not true. You have to accept his peace. Let me tell you what the Greek says on that verse of scripture. I'm going to, I'm going to botch up and mess up your Christmas cards right here, but listen to this. The Greek does not say peace on earth, goodwill to men. It says peace on earth to men with whom he is pleased. Who is he? That's God. How is he pleased when we accept the Prince of Peace? So peace on earth to men with those who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, become justified by faith, and then have peace. Jesus came to offer peace, not to force peace on the earth. So as people in the streets are clamoring for peace, it's the major cry of all people to be in peace, to live in a nation where there's peace and freedom attached to that. We are so blessed to live in the United States, but even being in the United States doesn't mean we're going to heaven. Being a member of this nation and being a citizen of the United States does not make you a Christian. You have to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and that is offered to the entire world. Peace on earth to men with whom he is pleased. He is pleased with those that accept Jesus Christ, the one that was born that day as their Lord and as their Savior. Then we're talking about here in this verse of scripture again, blessed are the peacemakers. So a peacemaker is a witness, a person who truly knows that the gospel I am preaching is what the world has been craving for. They march for peace. They have peace symbols. They do all this stuff crying out for peace and peace comes through one person, the Prince of Peace, his name is Jesus Christ. And again, this beatitude says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. I want you to notice this, a peacemaker is a witness a minister of reconciliation, because even the word reconciliation means to bring peace between two warring parties. And I stand as a minister of reconciliation. I want you to notice something else this verse says. It says again, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Witnessing doesn't make you a son of God. It makes it known you are a son of God. Notice this again. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God. So witnessing lets it be known I am a child of God and what gave me peace can now give them peace. That's what I'm witnessing to them for. So peacemakers are those who bring the message of reconciliation. Those who witness for the Lord and make converts. That's who we're talking about here in this verse of scripture. Peacemakers are almost last in the list of the Beatitudes. You know why? Because witnessing truly belongs to the mature. Those who know some scripture can answer questions to the skeptics. It comes back again to this, is children don't have babies, adults have babies, and children who do have babies have a difficult time raising them, and God wants it to be understood. We are to study his word and all this, and then when we go out to witness, make sure we have something under our belt that we can give to people. Second Corinthians chapter five, I'm gonna end on this for this first half of the broadcast. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, it says, God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world to himself. The word reconciling means making peace. God came into this earth as the prince of peace to make peace. You cannot make peace until you have peace first and you share what you have. God was in Christ, reconciling the world of sinners to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and then has committed to us the word or the message of reconciliation, making peace. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's place, in Christ's absence, be reconciled to God. Jesus Christ was in this world and what he was doing was this. He was showing us the plan of God, how to bring peace from heaven into the lives of people on this earth who didn't have peace. In a world filled with turmoil, in a world filled with war, you can have peace. Jesus wasn't talking about outward peace. That will come one day when the Prince of Peace comes back to this earth and set up his 1,000 year millennial peaceful kingdom on this earth. In the meantime, he's simply saying, if can conditions are good or bad, you will always have peace inside of you. I don't need outward peace to have inward peace. I have inward peace no matter what I'm going through, whether the present situation is good or I'm in the midst of hell on earth. This is what God is talking about. I'll see you right after halftime, right after the break, and we'll come back and continue from here. In Psalm 11, we are warned, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Believers who wish to grow in Christ must understand the foundation of doctrines on which our faith is built. Doctrines are not difficult to understand, but they often come disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, even when the definitions are simple. In 32 audio lessons, Bob Yandian simplifies these doctrines that bring strength and stability to a believer's foundation. Topics include redemption, predestination, sanctification, unlimited atonement, the flesh, resurrection bodies, baptism, the infilling of the Spirit, and laying on of hands. This flash drive can be used with computers, MP3 players, smartphones, and tablets, as well as car stereos equipped with USB connection. To order foundations, go to bobyandian.com. The Beatitudes are the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. They are divided into two sections, being hearers and being doers of God's Word. In this seven-lesson series titled Grace for Growth, Bob Yandian breaks down the Beatitudes and explains the steps to spiritual maturity. Grace for Growth is available as a seven CD series for $30 or as an MP3 download for $15. To order, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Let me give you the definition of reconciliation. When it says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, the gospel, the message of reconciliation, reconciliation means this, it's the making of peace between two warring parties. In the Old Testament, 
God was at war with a world filled with sin, and the law demonstrated this. But the point of it was, even back then, peace was available by what Jesus would do on the cross. Looking forward to him, even before he was born, this is the message given. And in the Old Testament, it's also brought out. But reconciliation is the making of peace between two warring parties. Once the cross was over, God no longer was at war with us. And if, you, if you're still fighting God today, it simply comes back to this, he's not fighting you. The war is over on God's side. Why won't you accept the peace treaty? And the peace treaty is this, Jesus Christ went to the cross, died for us and made peace. All we have to do is accept him as our Lord and Savior and the Prince of Peace will now become our personal peace. Reconciliation is the making of peace between two warring parties and how stupid it is to fight a war that's been over for 2000 years. My mother, when we were growing up, we got a, uh, every month we got the Reader's Digest and my mom used to love to read stories. She loved that magazine. I mean, she'd read those stories because they were such personal, heartwarming stories. But she read us one because it really ministered to her, witnessed to her. And that was because she and my father met at the end of World War II and got married. And so, but until that time, she knew what World War was like and my dad did too. But there was a story on there that after the war was over, and we had dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the, the atomic bombs, that America went out and bought an, a small island way, 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 way out into the Pacific Ocean. It was so far removed from everything, we could test bombs on that island because whenever the thing exploded, then the winds would carry it everywhere and it would dissipate so much, it wouldn't hurt the rest of the world. But when we sent a couple of people out there, three or four people out there uh, from the government to check out the island, uh, when they got there, they were shot at. And they, they didn't understand. Somebody was out there shooting at them. They thought the island was deserted. We thought the island was deserted. And they got shot at until finally they had to send some soldiers out there to find out. And the soldiers captured two Japanese uh, military men, uh, two Japanese soldiers that had been there since the end of World War II. And they were sent there by Japan to guard the island, but they had never heard the word that the war was over. And they'd been fighting a war that had been over for some five years. And they didn't know it. And they were shooting at the In fact, when we got them, and we finally got uh, uh, someone in there that could speak Japanese to them and told them the war was over. No, they didn't believe it. They refused to believe We've been sent here to guard this island. We're going to guard this island. And they actually had to send pictures and, and films and all this of the, of the emperor of Japan signing an unconditional surrender. And when they saw that, they felt terrible. They had been fighting a war that had been over for four or five years. Here's the point. For those of you that have been rejecting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been fighting a war that was over 2,000 years ago. The war ended. All God's saying is now I've made reconciliation. You need to accept me. Because Jesus went to the cross and reconciled the world to himself as it's found in, here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, because he went and reconciled the world to himself doesn't mean everybody is saved. That's this doctrine of inclusion. Universalism says, well, if he died for the world and the world has been, you know, saved as far as God is concerned, then everybody's saved. No, no, God procured it. We need to accept it. And just like those men were fighting a war that had been over for some time, they had to accept it. Jesus went to the cross and reconciled the world to himself, but the verse goes on to say, now you be reconciled to him. The greatest analogy I have is this. In Oklahoma, we have a state lottery. My wife and I drove down the road one day and the sign said, the lottery said uh, that it was now worth $180 million. I drove by that and I said, honey, what would we do with $180 million? She said, well, the government would get half of it first. I said, yeah, what would we do with $90 million? 
And, you know, we just start thinking here, we do this, we do this, we do this. But the point of it is, let me tell you, if you do win the lottery, say you went down to a convenience store, bought yourself a ticket, have it laying there, and you're sitting in your relaxed chair in front of the television, watching all the ping pong balls go up and down as they're about to give away all that money. And you have your little card there in front of you. Here's my card. The first ball comes down with your number on it. You go, oh, well, the first one's there. The second one, oh, my number two. Third one, fourth one, fifth one, all five of them line up perfectly with yours. And you start shouting, call the wife and call the kids. And we just won $180 million and everybody's shouting. And you're just sitting back in your chair and you say, well, I'm just going to sit here because they're going to put it straight into my bank account. No, they're not. You have to bring that little sheet down there and show them so that you can claim the money. But they're not just going to automatically deposit it into your checking account. What am I saying? God, when Jesus rose from the dead, did not automatically take all that and put it into your account. He did not take reconciliation and reconcile you and you don't have to do anything. No, you have to come and claim it. Jesus, in essence, went to the cross and said, the whole world has won. But what does the world need to do? One at a time, we need to come and claim it because there's plenty of reconciliation for the entire world to get saved. That's how much peace God has to offer. So Ephesians chapter two, verse 14 through 17 says this, he is our peace. I'm here to tell you there's peace in God's heart, but we have to accept it. And said, he is our peace who has made both one. God has reconciled us to himself and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The middle wall of partition was unbelief in Jesus Christ. Jesus went to the cross and tore down that barrier. And now what separates us from eternal life is no longer our sins. What separates us from eternal life is our attitude toward Jesus. He is the partition that now stands between us and God because he tore down the wall of sin. And now he stands there as the only partition, the only means of having salvation and it's salvation in no other name. It goes on to say in verse 15, having abolished in his flesh, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So to make in himself a two, one new man. So making peace, here it is reconciliation. Here it is. He made peace and gave us that peace. Again, as it says in Romans chapter five and verse one, the moment that we are saved, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the angel sang it, peace on earth to men with whom he is pleased. Who is he pleased with? Those that accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Verse 16 goes on to say that he might reconcile both to God. Notice he might. He wants to, but he can't unless you cooperate with it, that he might reconcile both to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity or the division by it, and came and preached peace to you who were afar off. This is the message of reconciliation. And to those who were near, it simply says he preached to those that were afar off. That's the Gentiles. Those that were close were the Jews, but both need to be saved. I don't care how close you are. I don't care how religious you are. I don't even care. If, I mean, if you're the ones that quote the Old Testament as the Jews did, they just didn't believe it. They were so close having the promises of God and yet they didn't, they weren't saved. But Jesus came and preached peace to all of those, those that were far off, Gentiles, those that were close or near are the Jewish nation. And he simply says here in this verse of scripture, he came and preached peace to us. Peace again comes by accepting the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the point now. What is this particular uh, message saying? What is this beatitude saying to us? And that is once we have received peace, we need to start giving it away and we start preaching it to other people. And by faith, the same faith I had, 
they can now by faith also become a child of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for it lets it be known that you are a son of God. Faith in God is the only place we have true peace in life. Again, as the angel sang in Luke 2.14, peace on earth, the men with whom he is pleased, peace cannot be prayed for. Peace cannot be asked for. Peace is a result of doing something right. Faith in Jesus produces peace, but living by scriptural obedience to God brings a daily peace, and this peace can then be passed on to others through, first of all, making converts, and then next of all, making disciples out of converts. Again, the verses we've quoted, I want to, re- I want to rehearse them again. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want peace in your life? Peace that will always be there, never go away, because why? Your eternity is settled. The moment you accept Jesus Christ by faith, you have peace with God through your Lord Jesus Christ. And then now you become a peacemaker. Ephesians 6.15, our feet are to be covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Notice your feet is what carries you to go and spread the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world. Well, guess what part he was speaking to? Our feet. But what are we supposed to go covered with? Well, not religion, not some kind of, you know, go to church and all these other stuff, although that's fine. That's after you get saved. When we meet people that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, giving's not the issue, tithing's not the issue, going to church is not the issue. The issue is accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Therefore, just cover your feet with one simple message, the gospel of peace. Become a peacemaker. Our feet are to be covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Did you know that Ephesians 6.15 is actually an interpretation of Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7? What was the message of the Old Testament? It's the same message of the New Testament. Salvation has never changed. The benefits of salvation are greater today than they ever were in the Old Testament, but salvation and the means of it has always been the same. Simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They called him Jehovah, we call him Jesus. But in Isaiah 52, seven, it says this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who bring good tidings. You know what good tidings is? It's Hebrew and Greek for good news. What is the good news? Gospel, the word gospel means good news. And what were they supposed to preach in the Old Testament? They weren't supposed to preach the the keeping of the law. You know, whenever they went into other nations and uh, preached the gospel, when Jonah went into Nineveh and preached, he didn't walk down the street yelling, quit eating shrimp, quit eating pork, no more bacon. And he didn't talk about men be circumcised. There wasn't all these things in tithing. That wasn't even the issue. It wasn't bring your sacrifices out. One word he preached when he walked down the street, repent, 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 because that's always been the means of the gospel. Turn away from sin and turn toward Jesus Christ. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. And Isaiah 52 says, says again, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who bring good tidings. In other words, the gospel of peace. Our feet are covered with the gospel of peace. It goes on to say, who publishes peace? who brings good tidings against, twice it's mentioned, the gospel, who brings good tidings of good things, who publishes salvation, makes it demonstrated, talks about it, preaches it, who says in Zion, your God reigns. So let's simply come back. Let's just give an overall view of this. Number one is we are to tell men that the war is over, 
peace has been secured. Quit fighting the battle that God ended 2,000 years ago. The war is over on God's side. The war should be over on your side. Man is fighting a useless battle against God. God has already reconciled man to him. Now man needs to be reconciled of his own choice. God has accepted all mankind if they'll just receive it. In essence, it comes back to this. God has opened up the door to every prison in your life. All you have to do is just walk out. How stupid it is to sit in a prison when the doors are all open, all the way out to the street, and you just keep sitting there. When Jesus arose from the dead, the way was secured. Peace has been offered. You just have to get up and walk out, and that's the beauty of it. Satan, nor men, nor religion can keep you in that prison cell if you decide to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Why don't you do that right now? Open up your heart if you never have and receive the Prince of Peace as your personal peace. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.